Thank you for listening and subscribing to the Anchor Church podcast. It is our desire at the Anchor to provide a place for you to know God, find freedom, discover your God-given purpose, and ultimately make a difference in the world around you. Each week, the Anchor podcast features Sunday sermons. You can follow along in this podcast episode and read the sermon notes on our website by visiting theanchor.me. Now, let's get into the Word. Amen. Well, listen, this morning, uh, I actually want to uh, more so share a few things with you from my heart, uh, probably more like a, a family meeting than a quote-unquote sermon. And uh, I'll just say this before we, before we jump in, just kind of shoot straight with you. Uh, this morning, I, I thought that I was going to talk to you about pretty much intimacy with God. But as I sat down, you know, and I had all these notes, and I sat down as I went, okay, let me begin to type things out. Uh, just some other stuff just kind of started flowing out of my heart. Now, I, you know, I've walked with God long enough to know that even though my brain is here telling me today, I have no clue why I'm telling you what I'm about to say. Uh, you know, in my spirit, I know that, man, there's something that Jesus wants to say to somebody in the room. And so just as I put my trust uh, out there to God, I'm asking that you would return, put your trust in God. And I believe as we do, he's going to talk to us. Amen? Amen. Amen. So listen, I want to begin by sharing with you uh, really several thoughts that are rooted in, or we could even say that are based around a single question. And that, and that question is this, is that over the years, I have repeatedly been asked by many young men who want to be used by God. They have said this, Pastor Quentin, why do Christians in other countries see more miracles than we do here in America? Another version of that same question is, why does God seem to move in other countries more and with greater power than he does here in America? Now, listen, I don't know about you, but I think that is actually a really good question. And the reason I think it's a good question is this, is because even though those believers in other nations are experiencing what we would call uh, more of the power of God, uh, it doesn't change the fact that we are all still serving the same God, right? And now listen, we know that's true because the Bible tells you and I in John chapter 1, it says this, it says, but to all, can somebody say all? It says, but to all who believed him and accepted him, that's all of us, right? It says that he gave the right to become children of God. Now, to take that even a step further, I want you to listen to what Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 4. He says, for there is one body and one spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over what? All, in all, and living, or as another translation says, leading and working through all. Now, I realize when we look at those verses, it might sound pretty elementary, but uh, when an individual gets saved on another continent, I want you guys to realize they don't receive, uh, you know, a different Jesus than the one you and I got. Right now, in other words, the same God that lives in a believer's heart in Africa, in Asia, whatever, India or in South America, man, it's the same God that lives inside of you and me here in Rockport, Maine or whatever town that you're from. Now, while that might sound super insignificant to some, I want you to understand that that's actually a very significant truth. Okay. And here's why it's significant. Let me tell you what that truth actually reinforces. It reinforces the fact that once again, no matter where we're from, as believers, we all have the same dad. That's right. 
We all have the same Heavenly Father. Okay? And because we all have the same Heavenly Father, guess what? We are all brothers and sisters, which means that, guess what? That we're all His children and that He loves all of us the same, that He is for us the same, and that He has given us the same promises, that we are all under the same covenant, and that He's given all of us the access to the same covenantal rights through the blood of Jesus. In short, what I'm trying to tell you is, is though, even though when we pull back and we take some global look at what's happened in the body of Christ, we say, well, God's moving there and whatever in Asia, and he's moving down there in South America. What I'm trying to get us to understand is, is that God is not favoring one people group or one nationality over another. Y'all hear me today? But... Even though that's true, listen, there, there's still no arguing with the facts, right? And even though we are serving one God and we share, uh, you know, one faith, there's no doubt that the results are not the same. So, and if that's the case, then again, like all those young men have asked me for all these years, why do Christians in other countries see more miracles than we do here in America? So... Listen, I'm certainly no expert probably to answer this question. Over the past few years, I have had the great privilege to get connected with some men and women of God that, uh, you know, are missionaries in other parts of the world. And so I'm hearing what God's doing over there and what God's doing over there. And, and I'll tell you what, He is moving, right? And He's moving with power. It's not just cute little church. He's doing the thing, right? And, uh, and listen, a few years ago, Jennifer and I actually had the opportunity to uh, be with and serve alongside the missionaries is a mountain gateway as they minister to the Nahuatl Indians down in Mexico. And I'll say this, on that trip, we got to go, you know, 10 days. We got the privilege to actually uh, meet several brothers, some Nahuatl brothers. That's, uh, you know, those are descendants of the Aztec Indians. Indians. These guys live in the jungle. And uh, we got a chance to meet them. Now, while, while you and I would consider them beyond poor and beyond, you know, uneducated by our standards, uh, yet throughout their own personal journeys with God, they had actually lived out every single word of what Jesus told us in Matthew chapter 10. Now, I want you to get this. Uneducated, very poor people, but these are people that are living the word. Look what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10. He said, and as you go preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Watch this. The next part is what separates really the boys from the men. It says, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons, freely you have received, freely give. How many of you guys know it's one thing to quote that scripture and it's another thing to live it? Are you hearing me today? So listen, I, I want you to know, I can promise you this, that when you're sitting in the presence of men of God that have done everything that we just read in those verses, guess what? I want you to know that the things that we hold so dear, like our education, like our clothes, our houses, right, our cars, our jobs, our money, right, uh, a nice church building to gather in. When you're sitting in the presence of a man of God like that, all of that really kind of loses its value pretty quick. Yeah. Right? And now listen, I'm not saying that because I'm ungrateful, but what I'm saying is that human comforts compared to blind eyes being open, tumors falling off people, right? Like deaf ears opening, demons getting cast out, dead people getting up. I want you to know there's really no comparison. Right? And the truth is, is like I, I sat back and I go, look, I'm a fairly decent minister, right? But, but the truth is when you sit down with somebody like that, I want you to know, it doesn't matter if you're sitting in his hut or not, it's a very humbling thing, right? Because, because in your heart you have to admit, that guy's got something in Jesus that I don't have. 
Y'all hear me? So listen, please don't misunderstand me today. What I'm not saying is this, is I'm not saying that those believers that we met down there are issue free. Because that certainly is not the case, right? Because it really doesn't matter if you live on Wall Street or if you live down in the jungle of Mexico. Guys, sin is sin. Temptation is temptation, right? Flesh is flesh. Struggles are struggles. And relational conflict is relational conflict. Why? Because just as there's one God, there's one enemy. And he only has so many tricks up his sleeve. Right? And so, so listen, what I'm trying to say is that the core is, once again, it doesn't really matter where you live. We're all still in the same spiritual battle, and we're all still imperfect people trying our best to love and serve a perfect God. Amen? So, I basically tell you all that to just say this, is while we were there, that actually gave me a wonderful opportunity to do two things. And the first one was this is it is impossible to sit down with guys like that and hear stories like you hear, testimonies like that, and, and you know, not start uh, you know, reevaluating you know, your paradigm of ministry. Right? And so I did a lot of that those 10 days we were there. Right? And the fact that uh, you know, the head missionary, Britt Hancock, kept asking me, okay, what do you think? What do you see? What, what's your opinion about this? And, and, and all I could sit there is just think, man, how different our world is compared to them. Not in finances, not in, not in structures, not in all that, but in the heart. Right? And so I reevaluated the paradigm of how we do ministry. And the second thing I did was this, is it allowed me to actually see firsthand, once again, why they see more of God's power in operation than we do. Because, once again, that is the question we're after today, right? So in light of that, I want to take the next few minutes to share uh, some really simple takeaways. I've shared a few of these before, but a few simple takeaways from my time there. And, and the first one is this, and if I can kind of set it up for you. You know, when we got there, basically our first day was all travel. It was 20-something hours to get there. Second day, we got a chance to go to this guy's house. And, uh, you know, we're sitting there, and, I'm, and we're doing church, right? It's church in a house. And, and then, you know, in the middle of that, uh, you know, the guy turns, the only house turned around and says, hey, I want him to speak. So I had to kind of hop up on the flight. Thankfully, Jesus was talking to me, and I shared a few things. But it was probably a train wreck, really. The next day, uh, we went to the guy's house that, that has risen the dead, that's seen many miracles, and we're sitting here. He's about this tall. And, uh, and so we're sitting there, and, you know, basically we come in the door, we greet everybody, and they throw out some uh, center blocks, and they throw out a big old long piece of wood that he actually cut from a tree. And we all kind of sit down, we wait. They served us food that nobody in their right mind wants to eat, bless God, and, uh, at least from us because it was scary food. And so uh, anyway, so, so we ate it, and it wasn't that bad, and so I survived. And, and so anyways, I'm sitting there, and then it kind of gets news passed down on the table, hey, he wants you to preach tonight. So what happens is, is a Nahuatl brother preaches, and a gringo preaches, and then another gringo preaches, then a Nahuatl brother preaches, and we, and we end. So you only got like 10 minutes, right? And, and I'm sitting there, and what happened in that moment, uh, you know, never really being in that spot before, right? I felt all this pressure, right? Like this pressure to, I'd say what it is, to perform, to impress, Right in the middle of that, I'm going, man. How am I going to connect with these people? And and you know, they start worshiping, and man, they're they're really really quiet people. But when they start worshiping, man, there's passion that comes to the forefront. And so they start going at it, and and they're singing in Spanish, and I'm catching about I don't know about every well, I don't know what. Let's say about 10 percent of what's really being said. And I'm just trying my best to lock in with Jesus, and my mind's running a thousand different directions. And in the middle of that, Brother Britt just leans over and he says, Pastor Quentin. 
He said this, basically, calm down, right? <laughs> In essence, what he said, he said, just give them something from the Bible and they'll be grateful. And I felt all that stress and pressure. Because the truth is, is Jesus has been talking to me that day on the trail already. And I settled in, and guess what? And then all that stuff broke off. And what I realized that night is this, is, is the first thing stuck out to me, once again, especially while I was preaching, is we're talking about what's the difference here, is they weren't looking to be impressed. They weren't looking to be impressed. Y'all, please hear me, okay? Because Jesus is going to talk to us. I'm convinced that one of the main hindrances that keeps us from experiencing a greater measure of God's fullness in our lives and in this church is because we want and even expect to be impressed. How are we trying to be impressed? We want to be impressed by the music. We want to be impressed by a sermon. We want to be impressed by the overall experience that we have when we walk through those doors. Now, you know, the truth is it's like... I'm not even sure if we, if we realize we do it sometimes, but we can really come to the church with the attitude like this. Okay, show me what you got. Right? And, and listen, it's kind of like this. If we realize or not, because the culture we live in, we've adopted such a consumer mindset that we even come to church and we have a consumer mindset towards what happens in church and we have a consumer mindset even with what happens with God. Right? Now, so, so I'm being clear today. I'm not sitting up here today in some arrogant standpoint. Let me dog you guys. I'm not throwing any rocks in the building because the truth is, as much as I hate that mentality, as much as I have to fight those feelings and the pressure of it week after week after week, the truth is, is I am just as guilty as doing it myself. Anybody with me? So here's what's wild is while I was, remember, I wasn't expecting to talk about this. And, and, and while I was sitting there praying and working and preparing, just kind of really just trying to keep up with God, um, a verse that came up that I was not surprised, but I'm going to say this, okay? In light of what we're talking about, I'm fearful with this consumer mentality that we actually resemble uh, the people that Jesus encountered in John chapter 6. I want to read this verse to you. It's verse 30. What I'm trying to say is I think we're more like these people than we'd like to admit. Listen to what they said. They said, Therefore they said to him, What sign will you perform then that we may see it and believe you? What work will you do? Let me bring that to our modern day language. Jesus, you've got five minutes. You better hurry up and impress me or we're out of here. Yeah. Right? Like, God, if you don't grab my attention in the next five minutes, I'm not even going to engage. Right now, here's what's wild because this attitude that these people had, and guess what? Jesus is not in the impressing business. Guess what? 36 verses later, they left and they followed him no more. Right? Now, now listen, I realize that while you're probably sitting here thinking this, okay, PQ, there is no way I would ever say that to Jesus. Like, and I'm 100% with you. Like, I fear him way too much to say, Jesus, you got to impress me, right? But, but listen, before we get too hasty in our answer, I think we need to maybe take a step back. And you and I do re need to remember, watch this, whose church this really is. Like, whose church is this? Right? Here's what I mean by that. And I just want us to be honest with ourselves in our own heart. Is that think about how often we walk through those doors right there and we consciously and subconsciously rate how well the worship team sang and played today. Well, on that third song, I noticed somebody hit the wrong note. You know, on that first song, they're singing wasn't that tight. 
Right? And like, like how do we walk through those doors and we rate how well the preacher preached? And how well do we come in and say, you know, or how much do we come in and we say, you know, how well did they articulate that prayer that they prayed today? Hither art thou unto thy Father God. <laughs> right? Like how often we do that? And if I can put them in a different way, it's like this. It, we come in and if the song didn't sound like it did when we downloaded it off of Apple Music, we, we give the team, a, a, you know, a B-plus effort. Right? Just a B-plus for the effort they gave. We sure do appreciate you guys. You're not as talented, but we appreciate you. Right? And it's like, how often does, you know, the preacher, if he doesn't preach as good as the fellow we listened to on YouTube last week, then we go, ah, you know, I probably give that pastor a 6.5 out of 10, and that's only because I think he's got a good heart. <laughs> And then we say something like this, you know, if that greeter wasn't as nice as the teenager behind that counter at the local Chick-fil-A, right? Then what happens is, is we give the church a three-star Yelp review, <laughs> right? Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so, listen, I almost say this, is I can be just as guilty. I'll just throw this out there, kind of maybe help you guys out. You, you know, I recognize that part of my calling is to go to places that are out of order to put them into order. It's what we've been doing for years. And, and when you're like that, you're very given to detail, right? And so I'm the kind of guy that will, you know, pull in the parking lot and I'm the dude that sees the trash on the ground. I'm the guy that walks in and realizes that I look at the wall. That's two, that's two different colors of white painted right there. You, you know, I walk in, I go, you know, the, uh, the third row today was a little crooked, that fourth chair, right? I'm the guy that goes, yeah, they, they played something wrong. They say something wrong. Oh, that transition wasn't as good. Oh, that preacher, he could have set it up this way better. In fact, I do that to myself every week. Right? I literally go home every week and went, man, I could have did that better. Right? And, and so, so, listen, this, once again, this consumer mindset, what happens is it's not just a desire to be impressed. What, what happens is, is it's really rooted in one word. It's called criticism. Yep. Yep. Am I making sense? Yep. So, listen, what I believe God is trying to say to us, maybe trying to get us to see is, while we may not think we are like those people in John 6, the reality is this, is when we reject a song that's being played, we aren't rejecting the worship team. Like, you're really not rejecting Pastor Tommy when, when you're like, I'm not worshiping that song. Right? Like, I, didn't, I don't feel anything. <laughs> Do you understand? You're not rejecting him. You're rejecting Jesus. Because He is the one that we're called to worship. It's His church, right? And literally, when you sit back and you reject some message that me or some other guy preaches, right? Uh, you're really not rejecting whoever stands behind the pulpit. You're, you're really rejecting the Word of God. Because He is the Word, right? And, and I'll even say this, when, when you sit back and you go, I've already heard this before. That is the ultimate arrogance, by the way. Okay? Because the truth is, listen, I've known God enough. Here, I'll say it like to you like this. Did, did you ever, when you were raising your kids, go, you know what? You, you just want to tell them the same thing again for the 40th time just because you felt like saying it? Or did you say it for the 40th time, whatever, because they clearly weren't doing what you told them to do? Like I'm thinking, how many times do I have to tell my kids, go brush your daggum teeth? Right? They're going to fall at your head. Right? I tell them that. Why? Because they're not obeying. They're not doing what we're trying to tell them to do, right? And so the point is, is if God's repeating something and you're getting bored with it, the problem is, is you're probably not doing something with what He's telling you. You're being a hearer only and not a doer. And so you're bored. 
Am I making sense? So listen, lastly, watch this. Please grab a hold of what I'm about to say. When we reject those around us, okay, we're not rejecting that person per se. In all actuality, we are rejecting the community. Imperfect as it may be, it's still the body of Christ, but we are rejecting the community that God has trusted, right, enough to put us in. Right? And here's the scary part. If I can take just like a, a break for an infomercial, okay? Is like right now, man, that is something that COVID has robbed us of. Yes. Right? That we literally walk in the doors and we're so scared to look at somebody. Right? Like this church used to be, you know, literally what I used to hear all the time. Man, it's such a friendly church. It's such a loving church. I haven't heard that in a long time. And the reason is, is because we walk in and we're staring at everybody and we're paranoid because we're acting like they got the plague. That ain't Jesus, y'all. Okay, I'll give you a little Bama there. That ain't Jesus. All right? You hear me? So look, why don't, why don't we lay down all that and just trust Jesus is going to protect us? Right? And let's get our friendliness back. Please. Please, right? Let's let the love of God come because the Bible says the love of God's been shed abroad in our heart. And it's not just contained there, it's actually to give it out. There's people in here that need love. If we've ever needed love, it's probably right now. Amen? Amen. All right, back to the show. Here we go. All right, so when it talks about rejecting the song, rejecting the message, rejecting those around us, it's like, man, why is that the case? Once again, it's like if we want to admit or not, I think it's rooted in John 6.30. And ultimately what we're saying is, is this. Watch this. It's Jesus, you didn't impress me today, and you didn't impress me enough, right, through all of those things, through that singing, through that preaching, through those people, whatever. And I didn't think all that was important enough, right, to buy in and to engage with it. Am I making sense? Yeah. Right? And, and so here's what's so funny on the opposite side of that spectrum. I can't tell you how many times I've heard Britt Hancock. Once again, that's the leader of Mountain, Gay, uh, Mountain Gateway Ministries. And, um, and so I can't tell you how many times he said this. He said, when we basically, we, we had church scheduled that day. Everybody hopped in the truck. We rode down there and they're bouncing all over the jungle road, whatever. And they, then they go out and they hike and they walk and they show up in this house that's probably made of center blocks. It's made of whatever. It's, it's a hut, right? So it's center blocks, it's sticks, it's moss, it's grass. And, and, and a few people gather, right? They're coming out of the jungle and they gather into that, that home. And, and here stands the, the guy that's going to lead worship because there is no full band, right? You're really sitting in a dark, dingy room and he's had to get to and he's got a string, don't even have all the strings, right? It's, it's six strings and he's got four, right? Whatever. And so dude starts playing his four strings he got and, and they're not even in tune. Right? And then he starts singing, bless his heart, he can't sing a lick. Okay? Now, now most of us would sit down and go, not impressed. Not going to engage. So but he says this, so all that's going on in his heart, he has feelings like us, he's got ears too, like, oh, this is bad. But then he says this, but the presence of God came. Yes. And then he says, so-and-so got saved, and so-and-so got healed. Yes. Y'all hear me today? Yes. Now listen, don't, don't miss what I'm, what I'm saying here, don't misunderstand me, because what I'm not saying is that we're going to become a church that doesn't value excellence. Okay? And, and if I could just say it, there's a reason that they don't let me sing. <laughs> I love worshiping Jesus, but man, they're not, listen, they're never, ever, ever going to let me get up there and sing. And the reason is, is because I couldn't find a key if somebody put it in my pocket, right? I, I just can't, okay? So anyways, I just think this, when we actually kind of pull back and go, 
All right. What if we begin to view what Brother Britt just said, right? In other words, that example through the lens of our typical church routine. In other words, what happened with those guys in that hut versus what we normally experience. And I just think this, there's some valuable lessons to learn here. And if y'all can hang with me, in fact, if you don't hear anything today, hear this. It's that just maybe, just maybe that the condition, right, and the engagement of our hearts really matter to God more than we think. Okay? In other words, that when we walk through those doors and we begin to fellowship with one another, and when worship starts, we actually stand and we worship, and then we actually sit afterwards and we put ourselves in a position to be equipped with the Word of God, that just maybe the condition of our hearts and the way we engage really, really, really does matter to God. And if I could just maybe say it this way, I think if we could understand that maybe it has a significant impact of what takes place in this room when we gather. Yes. That's called a thousand percent yes. yes. Right? And the reason is because this is, man, all over New England, there's dead churches that are full of dead people. Okay? It, right? The reason churches are dead isn't because the Holy Spirit's dead. It's because the people are dead and they're not really hungry for Him, right? Because why? Because they don't see the value of the condition of the heart and the engagement of the heart that somehow God's going to respond to that. But He does. Amen? So if I could string even a few more thoughts with that, it would be this, that maybe, okay, especially when you think about that dude in the hut, that just maybe God is more interested in the purity of our hearts and our availability than He is our talent. Right? Listen, I, I just think this. If I've heard Britt Hancock say it, you know, 10 times, I've heard him say it 100 times, that it's simply this, that uh, heart will always, always outweigh talent. Right? It means more to God. Right? So, listen, I'll say it this way. I, I, you know, I've seen some really, really talented people that wouldn't know the glory of God if, you know, if God literally walked in the room and slapped them in the noggin. Okay, and, and I remember years ago, I met this one dude. Watch this, so funny. Uh, he came up, and I remember he sang a Keith Green song. He said, oh, he sang, Oh, Lord, You're Beautiful. And it was at the end of a camp service. He was just like this normal-looking dude from, I don't know, somewhere in North Carolina. Man, he started playing, and it was like, <laughs> like Jesus just walked in the room. And it was so funny. He came there because his friend was preaching, and his friend told me afterwards, he was like, that guy is so true, because what I'm about to say, he goes, nobody ever remembers his name. They just always remember that God showed up when he played. And I'm like really good with names. I don't even remember the guy's name. But I remember Jesus was on him. Amen? Amen. So, so I just think this, that if I can add to that once again, that maybe, watch this, that God views our hunger and our passion for him and our freedom in him more important than what? Our reputation. Right, so often we come in here and we try to get dignified. Well, I can't act like this. I can't act like that. I, I'm telling you all what. Jesus is more interested in you laying on the floor or wallowing on it if need be, if you want to touch him. Yes. Amen? Yes. Amen. So even this, that maybe God doesn't give into, right, or play the comparison game as much as we do. In other words, I don't think God is sitting up in heaven saying, well, you know that anchor church, and I've been thinking about that, and I've been comparing it to that other church that's over there about an hour west of it. And I'm just thinking, you know, that other church is probably better. 
You know, I've surveyed America, and there's some great preachers that are on YouTube, and you know, I just think he's a much better preacher. Well, you know, I heard that worship team. Did you hear that new CD that came out? God's not doing that. Right? Who does that? We do, right? Because we're so opposite of him, right? And so if I could just say it this way, it's like, you know, lastly, and please, 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 let this one sink in. I don't care, man. Let it let sink in beyond your brain. Let it go down to your kneecaps and your ankles and your toes. Let's sink in deep, okay? But, but listen, that maybe God isn't as interested in as impressing us as he is in changing us. Yeah. Amen? So, listen, I don't know what comes to your mind when you hear all that, but I just think this, if we could just pull back and remember that, man, we do not need to fall in the same trap. We do not need to make the mistakes, right, the same mistake that the prophet Samuel made when God spoke to him, right? What, what did God say? He said, basically, Samuel, take your, your horn of oil and go to Jesse's house and anoint the next king, right? We know that was David. But look what happened before that. Look at the mistake he made. It says this in chapter 16. It says, so it was when they came, right? Who's they? That's Jesse's sons. When he started passing before Samuel. It says that Samuel looked at Elab. That's Jesse, Jesse's oldest son. And he said this, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. Like that's got to be him, right? Like I heard him singing over here, right? Look at his muscles. Oh my goodness. I think I saw him just wield a sword and this guy's incredible, right? Whatever, okay? That, 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 that from the outward appearance, this guy looked like he was the man, right? And then it says this, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or his physical stature, because I have refused him. Once again, he sees different than we see. For the Lord does not see as man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at what? The heart. See, so often, guys, I think we, if it's in church or wherever, man, we, we, we don't look that far beyond skin deep. Right? And we forget that the fact that, guess what? God is looking layers upon layers upon layers upon layers of what's really going on in the depths of our hearts. That's why He's a lot more patient with us than everybody else is. Amen? Amen. Yeah. Amen. So let me kind of add a thought here, a few thoughts for you here. Um, when it comes to the subject we're talking about, if I can just, man, just let this lodge in you. Because God looks at the heart, listen, the anointing and the presence of God does not hinge upon what song is trending. I know that sounds so cheesy, but man, we don't act like that always. Okay? And, and the reason I say that is because, listen, it's so funny, especially since really, I don't know, probably since before the new year. Uh, the stuff that I, when I wake up on Sunday morning, I'll go put typically one song on repeat and, and it hasn't been for months, it hasn't been some new song. It's been some song from 20 years ago that's dripping with the anointing. Right? And, and the reason is, is man, I, I can't understand it, but, but it's like everybody wants to do, what's the new thing? What's the new thing? What's the new thing? Man, no, no, no. Where's the oil at? That's what I'm interested in. Like, where's the presence? What's going to help me get out of this realm and into that realm? Amen. So the next thing is this, is I want you to know that uh, nor does revelation hinge upon what piques our interest or intellect. So often, because we're intellectual people, man, I, I want somebody to impress me with some intellectual thing. No, 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 no. Revelation doesn't come like that. Revelation can come so simple. Right? Faith like a child's. Are you hearing me? Next thing is this, is tra that transformation certainly doesn't hinge upon if our emotions were stirred or not. 
So often we think if we got stirred, then we responded, then something changed in me. I've, I've been stirred a lot and left the exact same. Right? And I've sat there, literally, I'll tell you this, I've been praying for months, and I've been crying it on my face, and I have felt nothing. Nothing. And God's purified me like crazy. But it's just realizing that's what He's doing. I don't need some emotion. I like emotions, not against emotions, but I'm not depending on them. Y'all hear me? So if, I can, if you can understand this, I just think, what is the anointing? What is the presence? What is revelation? What is transformation? What does all that hinge upon? Please hear me, church. It hinges upon if we have a heart that is full of what? Of expectation and faith. That's what God responds to. Amen? So it's kind of like this. So if we, if we come in the doors and we do this, meh, I don't think God's going to do that much today. And guess what? He's probably not. Right? But if you come in and go, man, I think God's going to move today. We come with that kind of anticipation. God, I can't wait to encounter you. Right. Then guess what? It's going to happen. Yeah. I'm going to tell you how I know. I've prayed for people that I don't care who you are. I don't, take the greatest man of God. Take Smith Wigglesworth, John G. Lake. He couldn't got them to move an inch because they didn't believe. And then I've prayed with people that are so hungry and watch the power of God hit them between the eyes. Why? And all it was is a vessel in that moment. Because it's kind of like this. If I can say it to you this way. If we come in, the Bible says He'll do exceedingly above and beyond anything we could hope or imagine, right? It says that in Ephesians 3. So if we come in and we go, man, that's about how much faith I got for today. Then guess what? God will do a little bit more than you could hope or imagine. That's good. Right? And we all go home disappointed. Why? Because God didn't impress me. Well, what did you bring to the table? Right? But if we go, you know what, man, Jesus, I read your word. I've seen what you can do. I got loads of faith today, right? What's he going to do? I'd have to get AJ over here, <laughs> right? He's going to blow it away, right? So, but here's the thing. Here's the problem we have. Watch it. I'm going to shoot straight with you. Is one week we're here, we're really here. Next week we're here. Next week we're here. Then we go, oh, I feel good today. I'm here. Then we're back down here. And then we're back here. And we get, God, why are you not because he's a consistent God. <laughs> right? So when we bring our consistent faith and our consistent expectation, guess what? After a while, all that expectation begins to swallow up that desire to be impressed, and we actually start encountering God. Am I making sense? Here's how I know that. I'll show you a verse here. It says this in Matthew 15, and we'll be done. Okay? I'm going to show you how God always responds to expectation and faith. It says this, Matthew 15, 21. It says, Then Jesus left Galilee and went north to the region of Tyre and Sidon. It says, A Gentile woman who lived there came to him pleading, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David, for my daughter is possessed by a demon that torments her severely. But Jesus gave her no reply, not even a word. I came to church today and that pastor didn't even talk to me. Right? And so what happens is like, man, I, and I don't know about you, but for I read that, I literally read this yesterday, and I went, man, that was rude. <laughs> Come on, Jesus, you're supposed to be kind, right? And it says this, then his disciples urged him to send her away. Tell her to go away. They said, she is bothering us with all her begging. I'm just like, wow, what an incredible church community. <laughs> like, I've been to that church, right? Anyway, so... 
And then it says in verse 24, Then Jesus said to the woman, I was sent only to help God's lost sheep, the people of Israel. Now listen, I, I don't know about you, but when I'm reading this, you know what this is telling me truthfully? That's why I feel like God told me to read it. It's because if you notice, Jesus wasn't trying to impress her. Yeah. Guys, he, he doesn't ever try to impress us. Am I making sense? Yeah. And so, watch this. But what I love about expectation is you can see that this woman, her expectation was rooted in faith because even though the spiritual atmosphere wasn't right, right? Like who? She wasn't feeling goosebumps, right? Watch what she did. In fact, the atmosphere was against her. And it says verse 25, but she came and she worshiped him. Right? Okay, you're going to deny me. You're going to deny me. Okay, great. Watch me worship you. Right? And she says, it says, plead again, Lord, help me. And Jesus responded, it isn't right to take food from the children and throw it to the dogs. Now listen, I may be too much from Alabama, but when I read that, I went, holy smokes. Jesus just compared that woman to a dog. I don't know about Maine, but that doesn't go over too well in Alabama. Now you don't compare a woman to a dog unless you want to get slapped, right? And, and so, listen, I even think this, and this may be being a little silly, but listen, you call somebody a dog now, what happens? You get canceled. <laughs> right? Yeah, right. And, and so watch this. Even to take it on the real thing, listen, Jesus has basically blown this woman off three times. Somebody comes to church and I blow them off three times, they get offended, and they want to leave the church. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But watch what happens here. She didn't get offended. She replied, that's true. In other words, I know, I'm not a, I know I'm not a Jew, okay? I realize you view my culture different, right? Lord, but even the dogs are allowed to eat the scraps that fall beneath their master's table. Like, what a statement, right? And it's almost like Jesus finally, finally gives her some attention. And, and I don't know if this is right or not, but it's almost like he was like, okay, Let's see what kind of faith this person really has. Are they going to come in, you know, and they're going to say, okay. She's going to say, Jesus, I need you to do this. And he ignores her. She goes, okay, I'm this. All right, forget it, whatever, I'm done. See, it's persistent faith. Right? And because she was persistent and she stayed the course, says this in verse 28. He said, dear woman, your faith is great. What a statement. Your request is granted, and her daughter was instantly healed. So listen, in light of everything I'm saying, and, we're, and I'm going to close, am I suggesting to you today that, that just maybe we are getting in our way a little bit more than we would like to admit around here? I, I think that's very, very possible. In fact, I think that's what Jesus is saying. Right? In other words, if, if I just shoot straight... If you don't come in week after week engaged, accepting Jesus in worship, then you're rejecting him. Okay? And if you don't come every week hungry for what he wants to say, I could get up here and say, yabba dabba do ya. Okay? But if Jesus is here, he'll talk to you. Okay? But if you come and you go, okay, what's he going to say today? Right? Can he impress me in the first five minutes and give me a reason to listen? Right? But no, 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 no. Lord, I'm hungry for what you want to say. Then I believe you'll begin to be well fed. Yeah. Am I making sense? 
Yeah. If you come in here and you go, you know what, I'm not worried about if the person in front of me smiles at me or not. I, I'm going to be the catalyst and I'm going to be in to greet people and I'm going to love people and I'm going to be the light of Jesus in the place Then I think we'll be pretty blown away by what he'll do. Am I making sense? So I just think this is that, man, once again, is that if we can go, you know what, I'm understanding that our underlying desire to be entertained and our underlying desire to be impressed, man, it's really creating roadblocks and it's squelching our ability to have expectancy for encountering God. But what happens is, is in the reverse side, if I can begin to be consistent and faithful and have great expectancy like that woman in Matthew 5, then I'll believe, I think I said it earlier, what will happen is once again our expectancy will swallow up, right, our doubts. It will swallow up our desire to be entertained. It will swallow up our desires to be impressed. And I think we'll get blown away by what Jesus will do. And here's why. Because the Bible promises us, last verse we'll pray, is this, is that it says, but without faith... It is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must first believe that what? He exists, that he is. So we walk through the doors, we say, Jesus, we know you're real. And it says that he is a rewarder of those who diligently and passionately seek him. And so watch this. Last thought. When you come in and you say, okay, impress me. Then what you're saying is, is Pastor Tommy, I'm putting my trust and my faith in you and your ability to take me somewhere. And then we look and go, you know what? Uh, you want me to impress you, saying, I, I put my trust in that man, PQ, to be able to take me somewhere and teach me this and teach me that, right? In other words, that's not the way it works. If we're looking at everybody around here saying, I put my trust in these people, you got it in the wrong place, yes. yeah. right? It says some trust in horses, some in chariots, but we trust in the Lord. So watch, if I want to be impressed, I put my trust in man, but if I come with expectancy, I put my trust in God. Yeah. Amen? And good things happen when we do that. Amen? Amen. Let's stand to our feet and we'll pray. Thank you all for hearing my heart today. Father, we simply thank you for today. And Lord, we, God, really just want to say from the beginning, Lord, we don't want to be those kind of people that are content knowing that you're moving in other parts of the world. But Lord, uh, we're just content that you're not doing that much here. Lord, we understand that you have given us the same access, the same promises. You're the same God that lives inside of us. And so, Lord, we're simply asking today, God, in the name of Jesus, that you would stir our faith and God, you would stir our expectancy. Father, we ask God that you would begin to just uproot out of our hearts that desire to be impressed, that desire to be a critical, that is part of us that desires to raid everything. Lord, we don't want to be a person that comes into your presence and has that kind of mindset, that kind of critical attitude. Lord, we want to be people that just love you and are just happy to gather and just happy to love one another and just happy to hear the word, happy to worship. And so, Lord, will you do whatever you got to do in our hearts? Just kind of set our priorities straight and set our hearts straight so we can know you and walk with you in deeper ways. And so, Lord, today I simply bless your people, Lord, and we just break off any anything that is opposite of your spirit and of your truth today. And Father, we thank you, God, that we are growing from faith to faith, to glory to glory, because your word says we can. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for encouragement in your walk with God and to receive updates on events happening at The Anchor. Have a great week and God bless.